2: Lost
0: inside my mind. So long, so long.
1: Come on, this is Dr. Bill. Got Ken by my side. Are you there, buddy? I sure am, Doc. We're, hey, guys, we're, we're trying a new thing here. <laughs> I finally talked these cretins over at the station into using Zoom. That <laughs> was very complex for them, but I think we're, we're getting them there. I Any have rate. trouble
3: with five buttons, Doc. I and now, now, you got... button, now you got me on Zoom. No, I, was actually, now you got... I was actually memorized by by your uh, – fascinated by your video. I was looking at you. Am I cute? You're adorable. I love the background <laughs> and everything. You got the Hawaiian shirt on, looking good. So the next
1: step, is, uh, folks, is we're going to talk Joe into figuring out how to uh, stream this locally on the uh, on the uh, Salem, Tampa uh site. That'll take a little extra work. He's probably listening right now to see if we're working. Well, I'm sure he is. (laughs) We're we're, listen. I'm surprised I got him to this point, Uh, but but we're going to do it, and we're using Zoom, and it seems to be working. Uh, Ken, you got how's the audio? You got good audio? Oh, you sound terrific, Doc. Oh, good. All right. Well, that's the first thing is the radio because that's what we're pushing. But you know, you got to remember, guys, that uh, the venues and the times are changing and that if Salem wants to continue to make money, and I know they're struggling right now with this economy, uh, then they're going to have to expand their horizons and think a little bit more about social media, not only for their national uh, hosts, but also for their little guys like me. I think it would help them a lot, Ken, and I hope somebody in their corporate office will take heed and uh, help implement this. It wouldn't cost anything. I mean, it's, it's easy to do,
3: well, they have uh, recently put on a whole Salem network. Have you uh, seen that at all? Where all our morning show guys are on? Yeah, all
1: Pretty the much, national
3: yeah. guys, but I'm not on. But not the local guys. No, you're right. And you That's, should. So be. what I'm saying I mean, is, so that you know, you've
1: got, you've got a face for TV. Well, not only that, the, the local market. Uh, a lot of the people that uh, listen to me, they don't listen to these national guys. They don't care about uh, my pillow and and relief factor and all that. They they want real medicine and a real doctor. Here he is. Absolutely.
3: Uh, it's weird because I'm looking at the screen instead of where I normally look. Because I, I've never seen you before while we're working. So you're gorgeous. You got a food, oh, food I, drink there? You got a little drink with an umbrella in it?
1: <laughs> it's got a little horsey. Oh, that's nice. It's from uh, Louisville, Louisville Stoneware so we're doing uh we're doing a show here and speaking of doctors did you hear uh last week late last week uh a guy named larry pickens killed uh, dr mauck m-a-u-c-k catholic side of the family at the campbell clinic in collierville tennessee and uh, apparently he was crazy and he'd gotten mad at some of the staff he had just been seen there uh a few hours before and the Collierville Police Department picked him up. So uh, the doctor's name was Benjamin Mock M A U C K, and uh, that's uh, that's uh, a Swiss name, Swiss Catholic, one of the cantons over there. So he's probably from the Catholic side of the family. Uh, and uh, guess what? He's what his practice was. What he do? Orthopedics. Really? Go figure. You know, you would think that the the last person to be killed uh the last kind of doctor to be killed would be an orthopod because you know 99.999% of the people are are delighted to have an orthopedic guy to set their bones and give them new knees and all that so this uh, this guy's obviously crazy I, it just reinforces the need for uh, more psychiatric uh, facilities and lockups and uh, forced treatment. I mean, I, I don't care about all this uh, personal rights and all that. That's a bunch of nonsense, you know? We're herd animals. We belong to each other, and uh, we need to take care of each other and defend each other, and this is not the way to do it, Ken. This is just not letting these guys crazy guys out on the street. It's just wacko.
3: Well, it's a money thing. I mean, well, we, I th- we, I mean,
1: how many... How many uh, hospitals
3: that dealt, dealt with mental health have closed?
1: Oh, yeah, they're all closed because uh, the Democrats don't want their their uh, families locked up and the Republicans don't want to pay to lock their families. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's a real problem. We
3: may have swung the pendulum a little too far the other way.
1: Yeah, we've gone too far. And I guess that's uh, uh, one of the things about democracy. You know, I was watching some of the uh, pre-World War One or, or pre our involvement in World War One, massive demonstrations against uh, entering the war into World War One, and uh, there were even uh, riots and stuff. And, you know, we don't know about all that because we don't get taught that in history. Uh, World War I sort of a, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like ancient history for most Americans. World War II is fast becoming that as well.
3: It uh, is, yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, but I think this is just part of the natural landscape uh, for for human beings. Most human beings they're too busy trying to make a living and uh take care of their family and feed their faces and get an LED TV <laughs> or a QLED. <laughs> but I mean, you know, that's 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 true. Yeah, we're
3: we're all running our lives, we're all trying to survive, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: and we're trying to find some enjoyment in our lives and and not be depressed and not think about uh, all the horrible things that go on in the world, but, uh, you know, things do go on. How's the knee, by the way, the knee is really doing great. Um, I quit physical therapy. I haven't taken any narcotics for a few weeks and, uh, I'm just taking some naproxen or ibuprofen, uh, I'm using a heat uh, pack on it. What, one, one thing I did find helpful is I bought uh, these, uh, compression boots that go up to your knee and, uh, because you get a little bit of swelling in the in the leg below the knee where you had the surgery, which I guess is normal, and that really seems to have helped not only with the swelling to reduce that, but also kind of kind of massages your muscles because it's a you know it's a rhythmic uh, contraction, and uh, so that works. And there's a little heat button on it too. It's not too not too expensive, like 120 bucks. but well,
3: it a, makes you feel better. It's worth it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's help, helping with the healing process, too, and uh, also, I have been taking, uh, for several months now, maybe a year, I've been taking a couple of days a week, I've been taking prednisone because of my allergies, and I think that's really helped with the knee. Now, the, the orthopods don't like consistent long-term prednisone because it interfer- interferes with healing, but I think a couple of days a week of pulse therapy is uh, has been really uh, helpful for me, to decrease the inflammation and and, and uh, advance the healing process so that uh, I'm back up and at it a lot quicker. So this week, I'm going to start riding. We're going up to, uh, uh, up to Vermont, up to Burlington. We're going to fly into Plattsburgh, New York on the old Allegiant and uh, drive across Lake Champlain and uh, we'll run some bicycles there and tool around the, the shore because it's pretty hilly. We're not going to be able to up the hills we're getting a little too old for that but we can ride on the level shore side area and they say lake champlain's beautiful i've never seen it ken but i'm going to well it should be very pleasant this time of year yeah it's the height of the season i mean the the hotel room price doubled <laughs> doubled from last month to this month it doubled in price oh man that's that had her that had her hopping <laughs> <laughs> missed it by a month well, this is the height of their season, yeah. and all the rain they've had up there, but it really hasn't affected Burlington because Burlington's on a hill, and the lake is right there, so the drainage is excellent. But Montpelier has been uh, inundated, and streets are filled with mud, and it's been a real mess up there for the uh, folks in Vermont. Too early for the leaves to be changing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's, I think so. Yeah, yeah. that's Okay. They still will have some maple syrup for sale, so we'll get some. I'll bring you back a jug. Please do. I love maple syrup. All right. We'll do it. And speaking of uh, pain and narcotics, uh, I had a patient come in, and she was having flank pain, low back pain. She thought it was her abdomen. And I examined her and, you know, reassured her that it was not. We did some lab work and that all looked good. Said we can get a CAT scan of your belly. And no, she didn't want to do that. She just wanted to have something to help her with the spasms and to get sleep. So I gave her uh, a muscle relaxer and a mild narcotic, uh, Tramadol. And then she came back in and I said, how are you doing? She says, well, I'm still not sleeping. I said, did you take the medicine? She said, yeah, I took the muscle relaxer. And so we got into a conversation about the Tramadol, Canadian, and they're scared to death up there. You know, the Canadian government scares them. uh, The Canadian doctors scare them about narcotics and taking medications. And they all think Americans are unhealthy because we all take too many medications. I think we live longer than they do, though, so. (laughs)
3: Well, there, take that. (laughs) And we got nukes and you don't, so.
1: Yeah, well, we'll we'll lend you a couple if you need it. (laughs) So we had this long conversation and she said, well, is it addictive? I said, it's mildly addictive, but you know, if you, if you don't have an addictive personality, you're not going to get hooked on Dramadol for God's sakes. I mean, that's what I was using towards the tail end of the uh, acute pain with my knee, but there's a lot of studies out that say that uh, the narcotics really don't do that much in, in terms of short-term pain relief. And uh, there's been a big push in the orthopedic and surgical world to go to things like uh, ibuprofen and, and uh, naproxen and, and, and medications like this. Ty- even Tylenol is coming back in. Liquid Tylenol can mm-hmm. actually work pretty well. If you can get it, uh, I know they sell it for the kids, but to get the adult strength in the in the big jugs, I don't know if you can get that over the counter now. Just give me the morphine, Doc. Yeah, well, you know, and and the studies that I'm reading, uh, they say, well, you know, it really doesn't help that much. <laughs> well, you get your knee replaced, buddy boy. <laughs> <laughs> and then you take what, your aspirin. See how <laughs> <like it. laughs> you could have all the aspirin you want. I want my Percocet. <laughs> uh, and I didn't get hooked. I mean, I took it when I needed it. And of course, there's side effects, you know, you get GI upset or constipation or itching or, uh, you know, different things that narcotics can do to you and, and some of it is unpleasant and some people just can't tolerate that. Uh, And I understand that but, uh, you know, when you're in acute pain from a surgical procedure, uh, for God's sakes, give me a few days, you know, yeah, no kidding. Uh, And I'm not sure that I agree or understand or believe all of these studies, but uh, the effectiveness. Now, one of the problems that comes up is that when you are on narcotics, you have higher risk of other incident uh, problems like falling, fractures, uh, cardiovascular disease. uh, You know, different things can crop up that are are not as uh, common if you're just taking uh, ibuprofen or naproxen. And uh, the only thing that seems to have been really effective is for long term uh, is the buprofenone bupropenone, this is a narcotic that has an agonist and antagonist effect so that it does ease the pain, but you don't get the high from it. And so you're not as likely to get addicted, but it seems like you have to be on that for a long period of time if you have a chronic pain syndrome. And I actually took the course and got my, uh, super duper license, uh, from the FDA. I mean, from the DEA for that. So I've got the, uh, my DEA license for that, but it's such a headache. You know, you, the DEA's is in there looking at all your documents and making sure that you're doing everything right. And you got to have it all set up. And you, so I just have not done it, but, uh, it, it apparently works. Now, I don't know if there's a whole lot of clinics that are doing that in the area, Ken, but, uh that certainly is an option for people who have become therapeutically addicted and would like to get off, but are still in chronic pain. So you can look for the clinics that uh, do that. and I'm sure that some of these pain management clinics and addiction clinics and addictionologists uh, will help you out with that. But I I thought it was interesting. And especially after this conversation with this lady that she was worried about getting addicted, I said, do you want to sleep? I mean, (laughs) you know, uh, Really, what are you going to do? I mean, you you can't you can't have it both ways. There's just no absolute uh, medication that is going to have no side effects. I mean, even a few people will be allergic to penicillin and you know have hives or go into the ER with anaphylaxis. So, and even if you're taking aspirin or ibuprofen or naproxen, I mean that can upset your stomach and give you a GI bleed. So, what are you going to do? Eat healthy exercise
3: and stay away from cigarettes. I was going to
1: add and go out and smoke a cigarette. (laughs) No,
3: (laughs) no, no, don't do that. It is kind of a high though, really nicotine, I guess.
1: Yeah. It's a stimulant and it keeps you going and it cuts down on appetite. And I know a lot of women that at least in the old days, they smoke to keep their weight down. Uh, so they'd still look sexy. Now, now that, uh, Nobody really cares anymore. Everybody's obese. We're not allowed to say that, though. Now that everybody is healthy, uh, I think there's less smoking among women to keep their weight down because they don't care anymore. They're like, you want me, big boy? Take it the way it is. So does it
3: speed up your metabolism or something? Why does it keep the weight down? I uh, I always thought people gained weight after they quit smoking because they needed the oral fix, so they were just shoving food in
1: their mouth. No, there are nicotine receptors in the, not only in the brain, but also in the gut. Uh, so there's uh, two sides to the uh, to the uh, nervous system, the uh, autonomic nervous system. There is the adrenergic and the cholinergic. Adrenergic things like adrenaline. So that's released. Uh, you don't have a conscious control over that. That's released when you're scared or you're hurting, or there's some other stimulus or abnormal stimulus or a tumor that's secreting it. Then there's the cholinergic side, and there's two subgroups of that, the muscarinic and the nicotinic uh, receptors, and these are the uh, receptor sites for the cholinergic side of the autonomic nervous system. Autonomic means you don't have any control over it, and they control things like hunger and satiation and bowel contraction. Uh, they also will do things to your pores and your skin, and uh, so they, they have different effects on on your on your different systems, but the main systems that are affected by the uh, autonomic nervous system are going to be your heart and your gut. And of course your muscles, you know, the fight or flight reaction when you're scared Mm -hmm. Um, and and like the adrenaline can kick out more blood sugar uh, so that you have more energy when you're in a fight and you got to get moving Uh, vasoconstriction so that you don't bleed as bad when somebody punches you in the nose So I mean there's different things that it, it that the nervous system does and and nicotine is is one of the big receptor sites nicotinic receptors and so these do affect and suppress appetite both in the brain and locally in the gut. I have no idea. How do yeah. you keep all that in your head doc really? <laughs> I cheat. <laughs> <laughs> okay i don't know how i keep it in my head i don't even know who i am half the time. <laughs> somebody said at the lunch table the oh one of the guys he thought he was going to stump me he said do you know the first shaving cream because there was a uh golf series on barbasol had on a golf uh championship in kentucky and uh, one of the guys said do you know the first uh aerosolized uh shaving cream that came on the market?" and i said yeah uh it was uh uh well, not Barbasol. Now I got Barbasol in my head. <laughs> uh, Burma Shave. And then and, and why did I know that? Because in the South, when we were kids and traveling, you'd be going down a federal highway and there were all these little signs and they were rhymes about Burma Shave. They were advertisements for Burma Shave. And Burma Shave not only was the first uh, uh, foaming, uh, whatever you want to call it, shaving cream, uh, but it was also one of the first uh, companies that actually did roadside advertising, Ken. I remember hearing about those. Like, yeah. Was like a
3: phrase, half a phrase every three miles or something like that. Yeah. And you put yeah. it all together at the end. Yeah. yeah. And
1: at the end, it's, you know, like, use Barmache. That's <laughs> yes, right. It's a commercial.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: no, that's a great and, idea. It was a great marketing idea. Oh, yeah. And it worked very well.
3: Yeah, we're still talking about it today, so.
1: Oh yeah, it's still, uh it's still, still, still in our in our collective memories. So that's pretty cool.
3: It's like the Chevy commercial from the sixties. Remember the guy coming down and just flying into the driver's seat of a moving Chevy?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which wasn't really moving. It was no, just it's... the background that was moving.
3: <laughs> but it looked perfect. It was just great. It was cool. Yeah. Any commercial you remember thirty years later is a good commercial.
1: And I still don't like Chevys. <laughs> love the commercials didn't like the cars <laughs> so at any rate uh nato met last week and the president was over there i guess you heard about that Yeah, we got
3: a couple new members don't we
1: yeah yeah we got uh i guess we got sweden and finland in yep and uh this i, I don't know what kind of bones we had to throw to the greeks but uh I'm not the Greeks, but the Turks, the Turks were upset. They didn't want Sweden in because, as we've said before on the show, Sweden has allowed uh, some of the Kurdish uh, terrorists to emigrate to Sweden to escape uh, capture and imprisonment in Turkey for their their activities in in, uh, eastern Turkey. So at any rate, I don't know if they quietly sent them back or if we offered to give them some cash, probably cash. I mean, you know,
3: probably some weapon
1: system somewhere or something, you know. Yeah, well they want more weapons and uh
3: well they're not too uh too happy with the Russians right now either.
1: No, they're they're in a spat with the Russians and uh I, I don't know, uh, you know, but, but obviously they're going to sell arms to anybody who'll buy them and I know they're making some things. I think they were making some drones. I don't know if they're selling which side they're selling them to or both sides, but I guess in war you just you you get what you get. If, you're, if you have no conscience, I guess you sell to whoever's got the most money. <laughs> exactly. Both sides, I don't care, right? Just give me the money. And uh, Zelensky said he wanted to get into NATO. And he wanted Ukraine into NATO. And the NATO honchos, they said, well, some of them said, yeah, let's let them in, especially the Baltic country, you know, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia, because they're sitting right there with the Russians. I mean, the, you know, they are— right there with russia i mean they're right next to them and you, you, st petersburg russia is like a half an hour away well they used uh, to
3: be in the soviet union
1: yeah they were part of the soviet union so i can understand their nervousness yeah so they're nervous so they said please let them in and the other nato member said look if we do that we'll immediately be in and uh, committed to troops in uh, the ukraine and we'll be at war with russia well, my take on this is we're already at war with Russia. Uh, it's just a proxy war right now, and I think the quickest way to end it is just to load them up and go, boys. And I see where the president's sending more troops into uh, into uh, Europe this week. I think he said three or four thousand troops he's going to send over there. This is the way Vietnam started. Mm-hmm. You may remember that. And uh, let's so- start with the
3: advisors. Remember the advisors went in first.
1: Which we've already sent over. Right. And, and then,
3: then
1: yeah. yeah, and then a few troops here and a few troops there and well, all usually, of sudden-
3: it's usually uh humanitarian aid and um logistics. They're not gonna be fighting. Don't worry about it. Yeah, right. And before you know it. <laughs> you got fifty thousand dead. So
1: And um our uh, our guys that our couple that cleans the office and the house for us, uh They're Ukrainian, and so he's in touch with his brother and his family over there. His brother's fighting uh, for the Ukrainian army, and one of his cousins has got uh, some kind of uh, terminal illness and can't get any treatment and has lost weight and is down to like 100 pounds. And he said things are really bad and they're really tough for the Ukrainians. And my feeling is that, look, you're going to have tens of thousands of Russian kids dying unnecessarily, you're going to have tens of thousands of Ukrainians, probably mostly civilians who are dying from this, uh, from lack of care, from uh, uh, incidental uh, collateral damage, from whatever. And, uh, you know, what What are we doing this for? I mean, th- this is criminal, really. I mean, we could go in there and within a few months we could clean house, kick the Russians out, get them under control us send a message to the Chinese and, uh, and and save a lot of lives, Ken, save a lot of lives. I mean, uh, you know, it's like the atomic bomb in World War II. People said, oh, my God, that was horrible. What are you talking about? More people died in the Tokyo firebombing and the uh, firebombing of the German cities uh, than died in one nuclear attack. And those were one-night raids, Ken, one-night raids. They burnt down to- a big part of Tokyo and... Uh, I think Dresden got burned down and a couple other cities in Germany, and uh, they were firebombed. They were conventional uh, weapons. They were not nuclear weapons, and they killed eighty, ninety thousand 90,000 people.
3: You ask any mother of the time who had a kid in the South Pacific if dropping the nuclear bomb was a good idea, you're going to get a different answer than you get
1: today. Of course. Of course. It was a, it was a miracle. It was a it godsend. It was a miracle. It brought the Japanese to their knees, and uh, the the cost, although we we hate to see lives, uh, civilian lives lost, there was maybe 70,000, 80,000 in Hiroshima and less than that in Nagasaki. So you're talking about, uh, you know, 150,000, 200,000 at the most that were killed, and uh, how many people would we have lost if we had had to invade Japan I mean, they were training kids to strap bombs onto their back and run into the into the American troops. I mean, th- you know, this is kind of crazy, really. Well, the
3: estimates was we could lose half a million men. Probably. Yeah, and they would have lost millions. Millions,
1: yes. Yeah. So those bombs saved a lot of lives. They really did. And I, I forget which island it was, Okinawa. Isn't that the, so- the southern province of Japan, Okinawa? Yeah, I believe I th- so, yeah. I think that when we took Okinawa, we lost six or 7,000 men. You know how many Japanese were killed? Over 100,000 Japanese were killed by Americans when we took Okinawa, Japanese soldiers, either by combat or, or disease or by suicide. I mean, come on. Th- th- that makes no sense. That makes no sense. But it was a, yeah.
3: a precursor of what was going to happen when we got yeah. to the mainland. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so, you know, you, you somehow you gotta put an end to this and you say, well, this is a horrible thing to use a nuclear weapon or to use cluster bombs, but if it will you know, if it will save tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives, where's where's the immorality there? I mean, you know, you might say, well, war's immoral. Well, the war has no no morality, either moral or immoral. It's just a thing. It only has morality when we as humans uh, put our collective uh sense of morals and values into it and and then again, it comes to how do you conduct a war? what is a just war and This has been addressed uh for millennia and St Augustine addressed it and uh uh you know it's it's something that has been repeatedly addressed and what St Augustine said about it has pretty much continued to be what uh we in the West have considered uh the morals of of going to war so and and we have treaties. I mean, for God's sakes, we have treaties of what we can and cannot do. You know, we've taken out chemical weapons and uh, biological weapons. Saddam used those, and that's one of the reasons that we stepped in. Uh, it wasn't for oil. I mean, we got plenty of oil, even though and Joe doesn't want to bring it out of the ground. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I know. Um, but it, 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 if he go, if Putin goes nuclear, that's a whole different ballgame.
1: Yeah, but he's talking conventional nuclear weapons first. He has to get them out of storage, dust them off, uh, make sure that they still fire because they're in shells. You know, they're it's not like you're you're going to fly a plane over and drop a you know a, 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 a fat man or a little boy. Uh, that, that it doesn't work that way. They're they're artillery shells, but instead of having um, um, an explosive on the tip they have uh, a small nuclear device that goes off so you, first you got to get them out you got to dust them off we know where they all are you got to have people to know how to use them you got to figure is the wind going to blow the uh, nuclear dust back into our troops are we going to get uh, uh, you know radiation sickness from this and so there's a lot a lot of factors and and you got to remember now the russians have been threatening and threatening and threatening for Eons. I mean, they've been threatening the Europeans, and then in World War One and World War Two, they were threatening Germany and and us. After World War Two and the Cold War, how did that end up for them, Ken? Not well. Not well. <laughs> no. Not well. I mean, and this know, isn't
3: working out well for them either. So you're this right. Is not we don't know well. what works there now and what doesn't work.
1: So, so I, I think that we have a moral responsibility to step in here, and I know that there are a lot of people that say oh, no, we don't want to get involved in the European wars. And this has been the mantra since the 1880s, uh, 1870s. I mean, after the uh, the Civil War, uh, there were wars raging in Europe between uh, the Germans and the French and the Russians and the Austro-Hungarians and everybody else. And we managed to stay out of it. But at the end of World War I, we really didn't have a choice. And even the uh, peacenick Woodrow Wilson uh, agreed, and saw the the uh, the the wisdom of going in and, and helping out because it would have been a very dark world indeed if if the Germans had uh, been able to conquer Europe. I mean, they were enslaving the Belgians. They were treating the Belgians the way they treated the Jews in World War Two and World War One. They were forcing them into slave labor. Ken, this is not good. You yeah. know this this is not the way to let the world. Uh, uh, run! I mean, and people say, well, we're not the world policemen. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. You know, if it wasn't for us and you travel around the world and you hear people talk and you and they say, oh, please don't leave. We we want you here. We need you. We need Americans to protect us and to keep the peace. You hear this in Europe. You hear it in Asia. You hear it in Korea. You hear it in Japan. I mean, you hear it everywhere you go. Well, except for maybe South Florida, the, you know, the key... <laughs> <laughs> Key
3: West <laughs> Hey Doc, look at the time, it's 9.33 We've got to do a question here Oh my god, where did the time go? Well, it's a very interesting subject we we're around there So, Alright,
1: go ahead, give us a question we got a
3: question here and It always deals with the first half of the show So if you've been listening since the top You should be able to answer this First person with the correct answer At 877-969-8600 We'll win, that's 877-969-8600 question today is Where's Doc going next weekend? Yahoo!
1: <laughs> He's going to ride the bike for the first time. We're going. Hey, we're leaving tomorrow. By the way. Oh, are you okay? Yeah, we're flying up there. It's going to be hard on the arms, but we'll make it. <laughs> All right. I am Doctor Billy, Radio MD. I got 10 with me. We'll be right back.
0: Here's the latest from the Answer News Center.
2: With SRN News, I am Michael Harrington in Washington. The first phase of Ukraine's counteroffensive to recapture Russian-occupied territory after more than 16 months of war began weeks ago without fanfare. Kiev is claiming that its troops are edging forward, but otherwise it has not offered much detail on how the counteroffensive is going. The fighting in Ukraine's east and south is taking place mostly out of sight of impartial observers. Authorities in Georgia hunting for a man suspected of gunning down three men and a woman in a suburban neighborhood south of Atlanta. Hampton Police Chief James Turner says authorities are seeking to arrest Andre Longmore in the city, roughly 30 miles south of Atlanta. The shooting happens late last night, uh, late uh, Saturday morning, I should say, in a subdivision in Hampton. And on the heels of a trip to Beijing, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is in India today. This is SRN. News. AM860 The Answer.
0: Listen on our website, theanswertampa.com
2: 93.7
0: FM. W229 DJ Dunedin By downloading the Answer Tampa app
1: or on TuneIn or Odyssey. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical. Located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care 727-384-6411 727-384-6411 Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384- four six four one one seven two seven three eight four six four one one when it's time for your appointment type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser doxy.me forward slash bay area med A cell phone works well and is all you really need
0: The latest from Actuweather at the top and bottom of the hour. Only on AM eight sixty the answer.
1: Today'll be mainly cloudy and humid with a high eighty-seven. Tonight mostly cloudy, warm and humid, with a thunderstorm response in the evening, followed by a thunder shower in parts of the area late, low be seventy-nine. Tomorrow a few showers in the morning, otherwise variable clouds with a high eighty-nine. Tomorrow night warm and humid with thickening clouds. Well a thunderstorm or too late, low be eighty-one. That's your accurate The
2: Forecast. I'm Garrett Beck for AM860, The Answer.
1: I like that, Ken. That's kind of a soft, nice melody, isn't it? It's very soothing.
3: Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah,
1: so I'm getting ready for my vacation, that's why. <laughs> right. So uh, apparently Janice Yellen, our whatever she is, Secretary of the Treasury uh, and the peace neck who's trying to kiss up to the Chinese, is now in India kissing up to Prime Minister Modi. And incidentally, Modi has said just this past week that the relationship with the United States has never been stronger and deeper, and uh, India is trying to secure their rightful place in the world stage. And, you know, they are probably now uh, quietly becoming the largest population country in the world. Did you know that? Taking over the throne from China? Yeah, they don't have birth control there. And especially in the uh, Muslim population, you know, your, your, your birth control is still a taboo like it is in Catholicism. So you're supposed to have as many kids as you can so that Islam will take over the world. I think the Catholics just did it because they were bored and uh, <laughs> thought, well, if we have another baby, maybe it'll be better. And, you know, and then one kid could raise the other. But that that's another story. Uh, at any rate, you know, India has the largest standing army in the world. No, really, really. Wow, I had no idea. And they're the fifth largest navy, believe it or not. And their uh, their uh, air force is getting better and better. They're buying some new jets from uh, from France, and uh, I think we're quietly selling them some stuff too. And they're still in a border dispute with China up in the Himalayas. Now, what do these two countries want to fight over? there? you know M- mountain ridges for i don't know but i guess it's for strategic advantage so if you go to war you can uh, look down on your enemy and fire at them well they already they already have nukes yeah but they both yeah. have nukes i mean you know uh india is probably the fourth or fifth largest nuclear power uh they they quietly um uh, have built up a stockpile and And, you know, there are bright people that you get a population that big and you get a lot of intelligent people that can uh, do a lot of engineering and aerospace and uh, uh, nuclear and all kinds of things. And they they have a lot to offer to the world. Uh, The the problem has been with India is a lot of corruption, uh, as there is in China, but in China, a little less so. Uh, Still in India, you, you have to be a little bit careful, but it's getting better. And. There are some companies that that make uh, generic drugs that are selling in the United States that are very, very good companies. I mean, you know, Dr. Doc, uh, what's his name? Dr. Modi, I think it's not. No, that's the prime minister. I forget the guy's name. Dr. Somebody or another. He started a generic company and a lot of our medications come from there. And we know because we buy wholesale, as you know, in the winter, we package and sell uh, to the Canadians and the travelers as a convenience to them from our own little pharmacy in the house by the way we don't keep narcotics ken okay it's too much of a headache you know you got to fill out all these papers for the state and you got to (laughs) have duplicate copies and it just goes on and on and then the DEA comes in if they think you're up to no good and just tell them to take an Advil doc yeah, just just taking Advil. So so we're back to the beginning of the show. <laughs> yeah. we've, got, we've gone full circle, guys. Well, actually, today's question kind of dealt
3: with that as well at the beginning of the show. We were talking to Doc about what he's going to be doing this weekend, and Thomas Black, Jr. was listening intently. Thomas Black, Jr. from St. Petersburg knew that you are going where next weekend, Doc?
1: I'm going to Burlington, Vermont. We're flying into Plattsburgh, New York which is about an hour south of uh, Montreal, if you didn't realize how close the Canadian cities are to the border. Uh, Most of Canada lives within one hour of of the U.S. border. And then we're going to drive across Lake Champlain, where there was uh, or there were battles uh, not only during the Revolutionary War, but also during the War of 1812. We're going to stay in Burlington, Vermont, for four or five nights. going to drive down and see Fort Ticonderoga. As you recall, that's where General Burgoyne uh, kicked the Americans out during the Revolutionary War, and then we went back at Saratoga and kicked his butt, and actually he surrendered to guess who? George? Benedict Arnold. Oh, Benedict Arnold, really? Yeah, it was Benedict Arnold, and uh, I forget who was the commanding officer, but Benedict was second in command, and uh, so they took the surrender from uh, Burgoyne, and then Benedict ended up over there in London with Burgoyne, of course Benedict didn't uh, didn't get any traction once he got over there. The trouble with the turncoat is if they'll turn on one, they'll turn on another. So basically, they'll take you in after you spied for them, and then they'll marginalize you, and they don't want anything to do with you. Yeah, you're dangerous. Yeah, you're a spy. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, he didn't even do it over. Uh, Benedict didn't even do it. Do it over uh, philosophy or, or ideology. He did it because he was mad that he didn't get the uh the, the higher command that he wanted. Yeah, it was just spite. He did uh spite. It was just spite. He was just a nasty no good low down. And his rock. name was trash for the rest of history, so Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, uh Thomas won and uh he gets the uh two. Dr. Bill, your radio MD coffee mics will be coming out to you. Thanks, Thomas, for calling in and everybody else who
1: tried. Yeah, and Thomas and we really appreciate you, buddy. You know, the show would not be anything without people calling in and letting me know that they're there. I just It just it makes me feel good because sometimes I think it's just me and Ken sitting (laughs) there talking. I'm like, wait a minute, Ken. Does anybody listen? Ken keeps reassuring me, "Ah, "Don't worry, you got. They're out
3: there. That's right.
1: They're out there somewhere." (laughs) But here's the problem, Ken. We're going to fly Allegiant out of St. Pete, Clearwater. Why? Why is that a problem? Because uh, last week there were injuries on a flight when severe air turbulence. bounced the plane up and down and a couple of stewardesses and uh, whatever you call them now flight attendants got knocked around and a couple of passengers got bruised and bumped up and so um i'm a little worried is that should i be worried or is that this, you know, it just it's good advice always to be buckled in
3: the minute you get in the plane put your seatbelt yeah, on don't take it off.
1: off yeah and uh i was on a plane where there was some turbulence and one of the flight attendants was walking by and and uh you know, I went to grab her, but she, she said, I'm okay. And she just stooped down and grabbed the, uh, the seat rails, uh, still was waiting in case she started to fly up. Cause you know, you hit turbulence like that and basically you're weightless. Yeah. You they, a, I think they
3: uh, fell like 2000 feet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that, you know, fast Yeah, in a, in a matter of seconds. So basically you're weightless and that's what the, that's how they, uh, give you those weightless, uh, airplane rides. They take you up as high as they can, uh, without stalling out their engines. And then they, then they drop the plane quickly. And all of a sudden you're floating around in the cabin.
3: But the NASA, the NASA guys call that the vomit comet. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> Apparently it's a nice ride.
1: Yep. And, uh, yeah. And you know what the pilots will do too. the fighter pilots is they'll get you up there for a ride. If you've never been in the plane, and uh, they'll pull a hard right and tell you to look left. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then everybody does that, gets sick. So if you ever get invited to ride on a jet plane, uh, don't let them do that to you. Just look straight ahead. <laughs>
3: <laughs> pilots are fun guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're, and, you know, the fighter pilots, the one thing that gets them really going is talking about their dog fights. Mm. Oh, my gosh.
3: Well, I guess they, we don't have many of those anymore, though. Not that we know about. No, most of them, even in the future, it's all going to be missiles. By the time you get close enough to hit somebody yeah, or, with a bullet, you're going to
1: be long gone. Yeah, yeah. I think that's true, that a lot of it's going to be intermediate to long range. But uh, And I don't still, think we'll have
3: pilots in the future anyway. I think it's the it's It'll be
1: remote, yeah. Yeah. That's probably 50 years off, but that'll happen. Mm-hmm. So... so so inflation is eased to three percent in june but it's a little bit fictitious i don't know if they consider everything in there but still uh that is not going to keep up with wage growth at this point no but the
3: price of uh, eggs came down i noticed so that's good
1: price of eggs and chicken all the chicken products are coming down because the avian flu is passed and the uh, supply chain is improved and uh the uh, uh, gas prices and diesel prices have come down some. And so the operating costs, feed costs have come down for the farmers, uh, the chicken farmers. And uh, that that's helped. So you can shift over to chicken. I mean, chicken's a good source of protein. What's
3: going on and with electric cars? I keep hearing the prices are dropping on those as well, especially the Teslas.
1: Well, you know, Tesla is in, is in the driver's seat. And I, I don't mean to make a pun out of it, but they really are. And they did roll out their new truck. Have you seen that? I haven't seen the truck yet. No, it's a pickup truck, and it's pretty cool looking. It's pretty space age, kind of angular. It looks like it. It might be stealthy. You know, it looks like <laughs> really F one seventeen all you know, angled and everything. So, and cop can't uh, pick it up on his radar. Is that what you're saying? I guess that's what they're trying <laughs> to do. And, and they're going to sell that thing for thirty five to forty five thousand, depending on how loaded up it is. Well, that's and not bad. Are, that's not bad, and you get a if you get a nice Ford F one fifty, that's what it's going to cost you. You get them loaded up there even more than that, Ken. Yeah, sure, sir, absolutely. The problem with the Teslas, in my opinion, is that they're so costly to repair. You know, if you ding a door, they don't go in and repair the door; they replace the whole damn door. I mean, it's ridiculous. Well,
3: and, do, you, do you have to have the work done at Tesla? So, certainly, somebody would just repair the door.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, but, you know, a lot of people are afraid to take it to just a, a, a local uh, body shop because they they don't know if they know all the ins and outs of the Tesla.
3: Hmm. Yeah, who knows I, what's going through that door? Yeah,
1: I guess they're afraid that there's something electrical running through there. I mean, it's just a freaking door with an electric window, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, I
3: a, that's what I – maybe a stereo in there, maybe a couple of speakers, but other than that, yeah. Anyway, anyway hmm. I, I've noticed the prices have been coming down a little bit. And non Teslas are like you can get one for like twenty thousand now, brand new. A Leaf, yeah, twenty five like
1: thousand. They got the little one coming out, and they're, I think they're making that one down in Mexico, aren't they?
3: That I don't the, know. A uh,
1: model or something like that, or the Chihuahua
3: model. I don't know. But this, uh, if you get, I would go with a hybrid right now. I'm not sure I would go all electric, but I might go for hybrid.
1: And you don't know when the electric grid's going to go down, and you know with the heat wave that's sweeping across the uh, southern part of the country, uh, there are fears that the electrical grid will be overloaded and collapse. So let's say you're uh, halfway between here and uh, Palm Beach, and you need to charge up and you pull into a Wawa that has <laughs> one of those high-speed uh, Tesla chargers, and they say, well, we can't right now because our electricity has been cut off. Yeah. Well, you might just sit in the Wawa for for a few days (laughs) that's why i say i could go for a hybrid but
3: not all electrical i can't do that yet
1: i don't know what's going to happen ken but uh you know it, it looks like we're tearing ourselves apart over things like climate change and and sex change and all that It's a bunch of craziness you would think that we could put our collective heads together and figure out a way to capture the carbon that's coming out of the uh out of the cars and the trucks and the smokestacks recycle it somehow i mean we've done it with other things why can't we do it with that
3: probably could it's just a matter of political will and money that's it yep
1: yep 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 yep
3: i agree i don't think it's science i think the science is probably already there
1: yeah i'm sure it is and there just is not the uh the will to implement it and the government doesn't want to back it they want to back solar and uh wind and uh I, I, that, as we said over and over again on the show, that is not going to sustain us. That is not going to carry us. It's just there's just not enough ability to produce electricity with those uh, those modalities.
3: Plus the batteries? You, I mean, it's, think about it. I mean, there's not always sunshine. That power has to come from batteries when it's not. It's Got to yeah. come from somewhere else. You know yep. what I
1: mean? And you can only store goes, so much. When the sun goes down, production stops. And when the wind stops blowing, production, production. stops. There you go. You ain't getting no electrons flowing, and so you have to go to your batteries. Then we have to build the batteries. Well, guess where a lot of the uh, uh, rare elements come for the batteries? Let me guess, China. China. And guess who just cut off some of those because they're mad at us. Let me guess, China and Russia. You got it. I don't know. Can the Russians, do they know what, what trace minerals are? I guess they do. They probably do. I don't
3: know how much they got. but
1: if you yeah, look so at all better,
3: their...
1: Go ahead. If you look at all of Russia's equipment, basically, they stole it all from us. It all looks like ours, <laughs> all their military equipment. Yeah, Remember the space shuttle?
3: Yeah. It was an exact copy mm-hmm. of ours, it looked like anyway. They only flew once, so they didn't do a good job. Nope, they didn't.
1: But they're trying. and uh, They are very they, trying. They, they are very trying, but they need to quit trying to take more real estate and concentrate on, on the home front. They don't need any more real estate, for God's sakes! They span what twelve time zones or something like that.
3: Yeah, all Putin did was break the uh, imaginary bubble that they were tough because they're not. No, they're not. No. We, we, we uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. If we went in there, if NATO went in there full force, this would be over in a week, and and you, uh, you, Ukraine gone. would have uh, Crimea back,
1: and 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 we wouldn't have all this. Uh, all this loss of life over unnecessary uh, uh, hand wringing about whether or not we should be using cluster bombs or or sending troops in or not sending troops in—I mean, this is just silliness. Just do it and get it over with. But I guess a lot of the a uh, lot of the work that uh, the administrations do is to gradually bring the people to the point where they will accept. The entrance into a war. Same thing happened in World War I, World War II. FDR started working on this in the late 30s, told his cabinet members, his left-wing cabinet members, when they said what happened to the New Deal, he said it it didn't work, and we're going to war, so let's prepare for war. And it took him, what, three or four or five years to get us to the point where we were willing to go in, and even that took a push from uh, Pearl Harbor. So, I guess there's, a, you know, may, maybe there's some logic to this that I don't understand because I am not uh, in the government. I'm on the outside looking in.
3: No, I'm sure there's some psychological preparation going on. Certainly. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. There's got to be, and uh, I see where, where there's a drop off in the uh, in, in enlistment and the voluntary enlistment in the military too.
3: Oh, I, hadn't heard, I had not heard that yet. Okay. No.
1: Yeah. Apparently uh, they're they're down. Ten, twenty thousand, and all their branches, and uh, and they can't get kids to come in. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I did. Did you serve? I did not serve. I was
3: a four F. Wanted to be a pilot. Wanted to be a fighter pilot. Well, I think with your ear, they probably wouldn't let you. That's what I mean. Yeah. Once once I found out you had a hero of both ears to be a fighter pilot. Yeah. That dream was done.
1: <laughs> well, <you> know, <laughs> and I ended I was, up with radio.
3: <laughs> go figure. Go figure. Yeah. I liked it though. Good choice.
1: Yeah, well, the one-eared your radio guy. <laughs> That's right. I am. Who smokes?
3: <laughs> they all smoked back then when I went into it. Oh yeah, they all smoked. Every studio so, was just a big cloud of smoke.
1: I was in the U.S. Public Health Service, which is actually a uniform branch, uh, and it it has the CDC, the National uh, Health Corps, and the Prison Health Corps, the Indian Bureau Health Corps. Uh, a number of things that are under it. And uh, we used to have uh, public health service hospitals, where, which were like VAs. It was founded to take care of the uh, merchant marines and the uh, marines that were fighting for the U.S. Uh, back in the day when the Ohio and the Mississippi and all the rivers were the uh, the interstates, uh, the, the uh, merchant marines that worked the ships and boats, none of the doctors wanted to take care of them. None of the none of the so if you landed in Louisville and you had gonorrhea, nobody wanted to take care of you. Now I don't know what they could do for gonorrhea back then, but you know if you had uh, diarrhea or some other infectious disease, none of the doctors wanted you in their office because they figured you were you were just basically a, 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 a spreader of disease. So the government had to form the uh, public health service to take care of these folks. And uh, it has been there ever since. And we took care of Merchant Marines. We took care of Coast Guard. And we even had people from other branches of the service uh, come into the hospital when I was an intern. And their families, too, you know, just like the VA does. And that's still out there? The public health service hospitals have all been closed down. Okay, I thought, all right. Jimmy Carter did that. Oh, okay. And he got rid of the uh, old presidential yacht which by the way, there was a sister ship that somebody in Hilton had bought when I was living there and they turned it into a party boat. And so we had uh, an auction for the art council for the uh, local schools. And, uh, we raised a bunch of money for that and we got them to throw in a four hour, uh, party cruise and guess who bid on it and won it. How was it? It was fun. It was a pretty neat <laughs> boat, and so I was on the same boat that uh, you know that uh, uh, Johnson and Nixon and uh, all these guys were were going out on, if they went out on the boats. I don't know. So Kennedy I did.
3: I remember seeing film of Kennedy out there.
1: Yeah, yeah. That that was the sister ship of the boat Kennedy was on, cool. and so we got to go on the presidential yacht, or at least the sister ship of it. They were exactly the same. Very cool. You've had a cool life. I've done some wild, crazy things. I don't know how I've done it and how I got there, but uh, my next my next project is to talk the Japanese into fighting for Taiwan. That's my next. <laughs> okay. Well, good. You- I think I'm gonna. We're going over there in the fall, so I'm going to start working on them. I
3: think they're ready. They they're already forming. Uh, they're they're increasing their military.
1: Yeah, but they're still wary of committing troops uh, if Taiwan is attacked. And the Taiwanese are ramping up. Mm. Now, the South Koreans are looking at this, and they're keeping their mouth shut. But you know what? They have one of the biggest standing armies in the world.
3: Oh, they'll be in it too,
1: yeah. Oh, they'll, they'll get pulled in okay. for sure. Oh, sure. They, you know, they'll the, be attacked.
3: I think they would be attacked, one of the first to be attacked with us.
1: I think the, the North Koreans would, would, uh, would go after them to try to stop having a – a second front Uh, you know if you have taiwan south korea japan all entering the fight then then uh, china's got three fronts they have to work on
3: tough for the chinese yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. we got about 45 seconds left here doctor would you like to
1: speak about your business a little bit we are bay area medical can care clinic we see americans canadians visitors we even see ken (laughs) Seven Two (laughs) Seven. Three eight four six four one one seven two seven three eight four six four one one. We are your one stop body shop. We got telemedicine. By the way, we switched over to Zoom from uh, from the other format I was using. It's, it seems to be better and cheaper. So look for that if you do a telemedicine visit. And we're we're figuring out how to use that, aren't we, Ken?
3: Yeah, well, it worked well today. You sound great.
1: Yeah, and we'll have to see if if anybody out there saw me on Facebook. Please give us a hit, and we'll send you some mugs. Just call Ken at uh, 866-979-8600 and tell him, yeah, I was working on Facebook. Say bye, Doc. Thank you for listening to
0: Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Join Dr. Bill every Sunday morning at 9 for more insight, information, provocation, and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at Clinic